everybody. This is the audio version of a recent video that I released on my YouTube page, The Apron Bump. Check out the link to that YouTube page in the description below. Give me a subscribe ski. Felt very giving and jolly this holiday season. So giving you guys the audio version, but make sure to check out the YouTube for the video version of this with the graphics and all of that. But uh, it's definitely still 100% digestible through your ear holes. So uh, yeah, check out the video if you want or, uh, or just listen here. Have a lovely day. Let's start the show. It's your boy, the hardest part of the ring, the host of the Apron Bump podcast, and we are here today to talk some WWE. I have been watching the WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment, for uh, those unaware, for uh, a long time, about 23, 24 years or so. I have been a uh, a diehard fan of uh, Daddy Vince over there. And I'm struggling. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I'm really struggling to stay invested nowadays. I mean, in all reality, it's been kind of a slow decline ever since the Attitude Era. And as somebody who grew up in the Attitude Era, it's kind of warped my mind to what I expect from wrestling. Because at the end of the day, wrestling should make me feel. Wrestling should keep me entertained. And I just don't think the WWE is necessarily doing that on a consistent basis in 2021 going into 2022 and i think that's an opinion that's shared amongst the wrestling community i don't think that's necessarily an unpopular opinion that the wwe has a lot of issues you could go on twitter and just Fine. Scrolls upon scrolls of people bitching about WWE. Oh, this show is trash. Oh, Vince McMahon needs to die. Oh, Shinsuke Nakamura has no ass. There's just so many different things that you could complain about, but nobody seems to want to provide a solution. Well, that is why I'm here to answer that question. What can WWE do? to improve upon itself 100 things 
that WWE could do immediately to improve their product. Now, I should say right off the bat, this is mainly geared towards Raw and SmackDown. I think these are the main culprits of the list that I have compiled and that I have utilized the wrestling community itself to help compile this list as well. So Raw and SmackDown are the main focuses here, but there are a lot that apply to NXT, NXT UK, other brands under the WWE umbrella, and even other promotions around the world. A lot of these also apply to AEW, to New Japan, MLW, uh, Wrestling Society X. All of these wrestling companies that are thriving today could benefit from these ways to improve their product. But once again, I had WWE Raw and SmackDown in mind when creating this list. And before we actually get to the list, I just want to say that the justification on these things, a lot of them are based off of things that were successful back in the day that for whatever reason just evaporated and are no longer utilized anymore. Things that used to make wrestling great, but for whatever reason just aren't used anymore. And speaking of back in the day, if you like retro wrestling, if you like old school wrestling from the WWF, WCW, ECW, Ring of Honor, TNA, Progress Wrestling, and everything in between, go check out the Apron Bump podcast. You can go to apronbump.com and you can go to the episodes tab and select any timeline, promotion, era that you are interested in and you can binge away. I go in chronological order across several different timelines. So check out the apron bump if you want to relive some nostalgia or if you even want to discover something new, something for everybody at the apron bump. And I even have some long form discussions similar to the topic that we're here today. You can check out the grinding my gears episodes where I run down commentary, match gimmicks, match psychology, all of that stuff in a more long form conversational way. This here is going to be more rapid fire. So with that, let's get into it. 100 things that WWE could do to immediately improve their product. Number one, and I, ha I had to include this on the list, even though I know it will never happen and I understand why it will never happen. But it seems to be the most consistent request from wrestling fans. Make Raw two hours. Now, yes, it's been three hours for quite some time now. And at the end of the day, that's just more advertising revenue. It's more time on TV for the wrestlers. It's more time to spread out storylines. There's a lot of reasons why WWE is just never going to go back to two hours. And I understand that it's all about the money at the end of the day. I get it. It's a business. But this list is purely speaking as a fan and things that would legitimately improve the product and make it more enjoyable to watch and make it raw two hours would make it so much more digestible and make it such an easier watch. Even when Raw's good, feel like it's an, it's an eternity. Making it two hours would make it an, an easier pitch to get people to watch it. Simple as that. And there seems to be just a lot of dead space on Raw anyways, so what are you losing at the end of the day? Other than money, I guess. More characters, 
less wrestlers. Now, I know a lot of people think, oh, just have better wrestling on Raw. That'll make it better. No, it won't. As much as you may want to be a real pro wrestling fan, the in-ring action isn't what makes people want to watch. It's the characters involved. It's the storylines. It's the stakes. And a lot of that hinges on the different characters of these wrestlers, not necessarily the wrestling ability of them. And that brings me to less mindless, cold matches. You can't just have wrestling, 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 and expect people to get invested in it. You have to have a reason. An on-screen storyline should be more than people just having matches with each other. For the most part, less formulaic matches. Bell rings, back and forth, back and forth, dive to the outside, commercial, come back to a chin lock, go to the finish every time. Less non-finishes. DQs, countouts, just matches where people interfere and then there's no bell rung. Like, that's half the matches on TV and we, uh, we need to stop that, okay? And to add on to that, have consequences for disqualifications. As a champion, you can just retain your title by getting disqualified and there's no penalty. Or any other match, you can just hit anybody with a, uh, I don't know, a fucking mace. And uh, is all, all that it is is a loss in the scorebook, I guess. Not only does it bring an unfulfilling finish to the match, but now there is no interest in them being disqualified because there's literally no consequence. Less recaps. Not zero. I understand people will tune in maybe halfway through the show, but you don't need to have the recap of the opening segment after every single commercial. Less camera cuts. Zero canned crowd noise. If the crowd isn't reacting, how about you figure out why the crowd isn't reacting and actually have some incentive to formulate characters that people care about. Canned crowd noise is just a way to ignore creating a product that people enjoy because you can just add cheers or booze to whatever. You can just have a piece of feces lying in the ring, staining the mat, and you can portray it as if people are going crazy for it. Get rid of the 3D graphics and the fucking end. Like, what are we doing here? Do we need a big Roman Reigns figure to understand that Roman Reigns is coming out? Do we need to have him humping the air to really let the viewer know that Roman Reigns is here? Less LED lights. We don't need them on the fucking ring posts. Like, are you kidding me? This, what is this? It looks tacky. It doesn't look futuristic. It doesn't look modern. It looks like somebody trying to be modern, but failing miserably. It's just, like I said, it's tacky. Less goofy props. We, Drew's sword. I'm okay. I know we named it after his late mother, and that's a great story behind it, but we don't need this dude coming out with this eight foot long sword. We get it. He's Scottish. We don't need John Morrison coming out here with a drip stick. Yeah, he said drip once. Now they're like, ha, ha, have, have him have a stick that j- literally drips. Ha, 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 such good shit, pal. Hire younger writers, executives. Just have a younger backstage presence that is more in tune with what people want nowadays that are growing up and that are becoming adults in this industry that are watching the product. 
just an overall shakeup of the backstage hierarchy. Get people that love wrestling, maybe. I don't know. Less formulaic promos. Less scripted promos. And just let their personalities speak for themselves. That's how people get over. That's how Drew McIntyre got over when they let him be himself. Who would have thought? Look how they've ruined Rhea Ripley and Shotzi Blackheart already through their generic cookie cutter promos that just completely eradicate the personalities that they had created previously in NXT. Have more organic backstage segments. Like say I'm watching my closet here, right? And yeah, I'm not wearing pants. Get the fuck over it. Ah, that's, that's a good closet right there. Look at that closet. They don't need to be fucking parallel to the camera. We see who it is. We're not dumb. We understand who's speaking. People don't watch TV like that. Stop it. And just the general, like, pretending the camera's not there, like there's like a, a, a really intimate personal moment backstage, and they just act like they don't see three cameras right there, and a boom mic, and a just have it be more realistic. Have segments outside of the ring be more realistic, I think is a good way to sum that one up. Have a less formulaic show structure. Opening promo sets up main event. Oh, let's recap the opening promo 5,000 times throughout the three-hour program, and then we finally get to the main event segment, and just have shows feel different from week to week. And drop the formulaic feud structure, if that makes any sense. Look at Edge and Seth Rollins. Now, that was a great feud, but just an, an example of how they book every single feud in WWE. They have a match at a pay-per-view. Person A wins. They have a rematch. Person B wins. They have a third match that's a gimmick. And then whoever wins that match wins that match. But it's the same thing every time. It can't have like, sometimes it's okay for a feud to just be one match. Sometimes it's okay for the people involved not to be 50-50 booked. Sometimes that's okay. Put more focus on non-title storylines. Not every feud needs a championship belt to be at stake. In fact, those feuds that don't have titles at stake often are the ones that get people over because it involves their personalities and it involves some unique element to it that sets it apart from other things in the WWE. So not every feud needs to be a title feud. Have more non-title feuds. More vignettes. NXT UK does this beautifully, by the way. Have little things that remind people who these characters are. Like in NXT UK, they had like a 30 second segment where Gallus was in a pool hall discussing what their motivations were going forward. You had a kid had a segment where it was the Spanish media talking about him and how successful he had been in NXT UK. Just little things like that. They don't need to be crazy. Just more things sprinkled throughout the show to fill that time rather than these cold, lifeless matches or these formulaic promos have interesting things that attach a personality to a character that people can invest in. Embrace the personalities of wrestlers. This can be anything from their promo style to what they wear to the ring to how they wrestle. Let people be themselves. Stop banning words. Now, I'm not talking about expletives. I'm talking about things like belt or uh, wrestling. 
Like, what are we doing? That just makes everything feel inorganic. You have Braun Strowman coming out here like, I want a championship opportunity at the next pay-per-view this Sunday on Peacock. Like, just let people just let people be themselves and use the words they want to use. There's literally no reason to ban words. There's no, there is no benefit to banning the word belt. And you know what? Let's just stop banning cursing as well. Let them throw a shit out there. Let them throw a, a meat crab out there. Whatever word you want to use. It just, again, makes things feel real. It brings a sense of urgency, a sense of drama to a lot of aspects. Now, mind you, this can be overdone, AEW. But a shit every now and then ain't going to hurt anybody. If used sparingly. Again, you have AEW where every promo has the word shit in it. Everyone's a dipshit. Everyone's a bitch. How many baddest bitches on the block are there, for Christ's sake? Allow stars to do what made them successful in other promotions. They made EC3, a total promo guy, a mute. They didn't allow this guy to talk. For what reason? Do you just, do you just not want a TNA guy to be successful? That's the only reason I can think of. They put a mask on Karrion Cross. They take Scarlet away from him. Again, just needless things that they just seemingly want to create people in their own image just for the sake of ego, I guess. That's the only reason that I can conjure up in my head because you have these turnkey ready stars and you just change them for no reason and ruin them. And that seems to be happening more often than not these days. Less drafts, more robust rosters. You shouldn't rely on a, a roster shakeup to shake things up. You have enough people to where you can insert new people into storylines throughout the year or several years. Less drafts, but also more trades. I think you should have a draft maybe every, I don't know, two or three years, but just have little trades, not don't overdo it because then it's going to be, you're going to get rid of the brand extension altogether. Every once in a while, a trade is okay, but keep them rare. Authority figures, Bring them back, not these fluid Adam Pierce, Sonia Deville, whatever that is. Sometimes they're together, sometimes they're on different brands. Establish authority figures on each show just to tie the show together. Doesn't need to be the evil authority figure, Vince McMahon, Stone Cold thing. Just have a guy or a girl on each show. Helps bring logic to the show and the matches that get made. Honor the brand split. Keep the rosters separate and have a hard line between those shows. No cross-pollination action, please. And make the shows feel different, mainly talking about Raw and SmackDown. Because as of right now, you just have Raw and you have Blue Raw. Aesthetically, everything looks the same. The way everything's shot, the way the shows are structured, everything feels the same. Create identities within your brands. Have consistency in the rules of matches. Sometimes you can hit somebody with the steel ring steps, but oh, it's a part of the ring. It doesn't really count as a weapon. Other days, you might have Rhea Ripley hit Charlotte Flair with a piece of cardboard that's on the commentary table, and that's a disqualification. But then other times, you'll have people literally get slammed through those tables, and it's all, it's all perfectly fine. If there's no consistency, there's no reason to watch because you can just change anything willy-nilly and nothing matters. And also have consistency in previously told storylines. You had this long, drawn-out thing with Dolph Ziggler and Otis, 
And now all of a sudden they're they're both heels. So I guess they're cool to team with each other just because they're both happen to be heels. Lazy. A no, a no more of the heels don't need to wear sunglasses. There's no reason to wear sunglasses indoors. It's been overdone. We get it. You're the evil heel. <laughs> Look at my sunglasses. Boo me because I'm wearing sunglasses. <laughs> Fucking Becky Lynch. Can't stand her. Tone down on heels not building up their opponents. The mark of a good heel is somebody that brings up the baby face and elevates them. But then you have somebody like Charlotte Flair who is more concerned about how cool she looks, more concerned about her credibility, and won't allow her to be vulnerable in any sense of the word. So when she, her and Alexa Bliss are cutting a promo, she's just laughing and giggling and shooing off Alexa Bliss, and it makes her look like a chump. Just what, for her own ego? Maybe that's more of a, a wrestler-specific thing, but WWE could definitely structure things better so that that thing is avoided in the future. Stop treating fans like they're idiots. It's a very general one, but look, you can have two people on the same roster with the same last name. I promise we'll know the difference between Karrion Cross and Nikki Cross. I promise you I'm never going to get those confused. And we don't, again, we don't need recaps of the opening segment every five minutes. We can figure things out. No more can they coexist? I wonder. It's become a meme at this point. And WWE has acknowledged that it's a meme. So it's like you understand that you're putting forward a product that's shit, but you keep doing it. No one can. No one is invested in a can they coexist scenario. It's lazy and it's just another avenue for the writers to avoid creating actual storylines. And it's just creating a generic cookie cutter you know just cut and paste scenario that literally they do once a week less heel turns less face turns let people be heel for a while so people can invest in them and let people be baby face for a while to allow the fans to invest in them so that when they do turn it actually means something and that brings me to the next one less swerves for the sake of swerves have a long-term plan and don't just do it for the sake of doing it. Which ties in to the next one. Less tag team breakups just for momentary pops. You, this ties into the last few that I've mentioned. The heel turns. The swerves for the sake of swerves. And tag team breakups, which has been very prominent in WWE. They do these little things just for these momentary reactions. Just for, oh, wow. And then after that, oh, wow. There's nothing. Crime time. They broke up. Threw them in the trash. Prime time players. Enzo and Cass. Heavy machinery. The Iconics. I could go on. They break these teams up and then don't even try to do anything with any of them. Other than maybe Cass, which is like, that's a whole other issue in itself. Let gimmicks speak for themselves. Not everybody Needs a nickname. Oh, and hey, it's Tony Storm, the wild child of the 80s. Wow, what a move by Tony Storm, the wild child of the 80s. The wild child of the 80s. Holy fuck, just let her be what she's been. <laughs> we get we get who she is. You don't need to force a t-shirt. Less title changes 
and more quality reigns. This kind of goes back to this momentary reaction thing where it's like, oh, we'll just do it because, oh, people won't see it coming. But no, have people hold on to titles for a long time, a.k.a. Walter, Pete Dunne, Bailey, Roman Reigns. They feel like champions, so when somebody beats them, it's going to mean something. And don't just have people continually lose and win titles just so they can pad what their character foundation is, Charlotte Flair. Number of, we need to get rid of this culture that the number of Reigns is impressive. Because at the end of the day, if you're a 12-time champion, that means you've lost the title 12 times. Focus on title defenses or at least the days that they've held the title. Less rematches, less contract signings. Again, just more copy-paste bullshit. Less talk shows. Have secondary finishers win matches sometimes. Like, when was the last time that the Future Shock won Drew McIntyre a match? Have him win with it sometimes. It creates anticipation in the matches and again goes back to less formulaic match structure creates a bit of excitement and differentiates matches of that wrestler makes things more interesting huh more managers and valets they can cut promos for people that aren't as apt to but they also add to the presentation of a lot of characters aka Karrion Cross and Scarlet or Andrade and Zelina Vega you take those valets away from those people and all of a sudden they just blood. Again, you don't need to overdo it, but every once in a while, if it's, I don't know, hell in a cell, maybe have a little color. It's not going to be the end of the world and it'll really enhance a match. It'll be really meaningful when it's utilized in the right situations. Just think about how more intense Seth Rollins versus Edge at Crown Jewel and Hell in a Cell would have been, had there been blood involved, it would have been a legendary match, but now it's a match that most people have already forgotten has happened. Recording this like a month or two after that match has happened. Use Peacock more, or whatever streaming service WWE is using at the time. King of the Ring, Queen's Crown, that kind of stuff could have been done on the network. It would have allowed more time for these matches. You could have had a one night deal for each tournament. It could have been really fun, but they just had throwaway matches on Raw and SmackDown and then culminated at a Saudi Arabia pay-per-view. That's it was a cool moment for Xavier Woods, but it could have been so much cooler had they used Peacock and made it an event in itself. But that's just one example. Licensed music. Again, I understand why they don't. Profits, 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 I get it. Bottom lines, revenues, expenditures, we all get it. But man, sometimes it's just cool to hear, you know, cult of personality or kill switch engage even. Like, why does CM Punk get all the licensed music? Occasionally, it could add a lot to a character. I think a lot of characters live or die by their entrance music. I think Kyle O'Reilly, if he had some cool music, he'd be over. But he has this, so he sucks. Utilize your entire roster. You have a warehouse full of people. And for whatever reason, we see, we see the same seven or eight people on every show. That doesn't mean everyone needs to be pushed at the same time. But again, non-title feuds have that. Have mid-card title feuds, world title feuds. Have the tag team division. Have you know main event 205 Live. Utilize your entire roster. If you're not using somebody on Raw and SmackDown, send them to NXT or send them elsewhere. Who, who knows? Just be, utilize everybody that you have because they WWE has never had a more diverse and talented roster than they do now. But it's seemingly homogeneous throughout because 
That's just how they do it. More breadth in building characters. And what I mean by that is that WWE gets very tunnel vision on the one or two people that they're building and then just ignore everybody else. In the meantime, they can use these things that I've mentioned, like little vignettes or, you know, lower level feuds on the card to build up everybody in certain ways throughout the show. You have this, again, you have this roster full of people, but they just choose to focus on a few of them. Enough of the stop and go build for certain wrestlers. For example, Bobby Roode, he shaved into a mustache, goes out there, beats Ricochet, who at the time was pretty hot. Bobby Roode gets his big win, but then they just forget about it. For what? Because the crowd that night didn't react to him? It's because you're not investing time into him. It's because you try a thing and then you give up immediately. You have to commit. You're not going to know what works and what doesn't work unless you commit to something for a certain period of time. Less 50-50 booking. Nobody is going to progress if everyone has the equal amount of wins and losses. People aren't ruined if they lose a match. It's okay for people to just lose a few times. You don't have to make it so formulaic. Because at the end of the day, if person A wins one week, person B wins the second week, well, where are we at? We're just at square one. Nothing, nothing that we just witnessed matters if that's what every feud is going to be. And make wins and losses matter. Now, I'm not saying you have to have a whole ranking system like AEW, but have matches on your TV shows where the wins and the losses matter. Like, why are people in title contention when they haven't won a match in three months? Like, Zelina Vega was in the Queen's Crown Tournament, but she had... How many matches had she won in the past couple of years? Like, one or two? And this kind of piggybacks on the 50-50 booking aspect of it, because, again, people win and then lose. Nobody elevates. No more championship contender matches are you kidding me with this shit if a champion loses a one-on-one match that's not for the title so what they just walk out as the champion even though they just definitively lost how stupid is that it can happen maybe every once in a while but it seems how every feud starts nowadays like it's so lazy more tournaments some people don't like tournaments i love them because it gives clear stakes it has an end goal, and it makes every match involved matter. And it gives an avenue for these maybe lower card or just people who haven't gotten a lot of spotlight. It gives people an avenue to have not only great matches and to show what they can do in the ring, but maybe gives them the ability to go win some matches and maybe win the tournament and get whatever that prize at the end is. It's an easy way to build up people while in the process creating a intriguing and interesting and entertaining product to watch unfold in front of you. Commentary needs to stop talking about other matches while undercard matches are happening. Now, I will say this. This happened a lot more often back in the day. It was way worse when it was like JR and King. And it's not on them. It's just how the shows were produced at the time. So it's not as bad now. But that's just another thing that we can cut down on. Focus what's happening in the ring so it makes it seem important. There's just too many guest on commentary spots and it rarely is effective you either have one situation where you have a guy or a girl that's a terrible promo and it just exposes them because it's it's a relatively unscripted scenario so it just exposes them as bland and or uncomfortable on the mic or you have somebody that kind of takes away from the match itself and it's just too often used as a avenue to forward a storyline it's just another generic formulaic way to push forward a feud is have somebody on commentary then they interfere in the match and 
who cares? Who cares? Yeah, they get the guy gets pushed and he hits the guy that's on commentary and he's like, oh, he just ran into me. What? What are we doing? Either rebrand or just utilize the C shows more. Talking about main event, talking about 205 Live. Those are hours every week that are just wasted. They're not even canon to the universe of WWE. They just exist as shows where wrestlers wrestle and but there's no consequence or benefit to any of it. Like none of the matches matter. You can miss everything like most people do that happens on main event or 205 live and you don't miss a thing. So make those have have lower level feuds happen on those shows like heat and velocity back in the day. Build people up, have have some title, have a cruiserweight title match on 205 live every now and then. I know home crazy concept. I actually don't know if they do that. I haven't watched 205 Live. They may very well do that, but I never hear about it. So that just goes into the rebrand and make them matter. But that just goes into my next one. More specifically, focusing on 205 Live is make it mean something. If there's a Cruiserweight title match on that show, advertise it on Raw and SmackDown. And if, if, if you're not convinced that 205 Live is, is the way to go, rebrand it. Make that Friday night slot mean something. Make every show feel different, make Raw feel different from SmackDown, make Raw and SmackDown feel different from main event or from 205 Live or whatever it's rebranded as, make everything feel different from NXT, NXT UK, you have all these different shows throughout the week, 10 plus hours per week of wrestling and every show kind of feels the same with the exception of maybe NXT UK, which kind of has its own identity, but everything else, even NXT 2.0 kind of feels very Raw SmackDown just in a smaller scale advertise those C shows, advertise main event on Raw and SmackDown, advertise 205 Live on Raw and SmackDown, advertise NXT UK on Raw and SmackDown. You have all these shows that can be valuable, but they just don't care sometimes. Build a cruiserweight division. You have so many talented, you know, what, what 205, whatever your weight limit is that you want it to be. You could have, like you have Kushida and Roderick Strong, who have recently been feuding, but you can also throw in like a Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano, Finn Balor, Kyle O'Reilly. There are guys that you don't really have a direction that could be fed into this division. And I know what you thought, you probably thought when I said that you're like Finn Balor in the cruiserweight division. That's quite the, that's quite the demotion, huh? Well, that's the problem. It seems like a demotion when it could be structured, it could be portrayed as just its own separate division, not a lower tier, but its own separate thing, kind of like the X division was back in the day. You could build that, you could throw these credible stars in that division, and all of a sudden, you have this other layer that can be used on pay-per-views, on Raws and SmackDowns, or wherever you want to use it, and it can create great matches for the fans in that, and can serve as a just a different motivation for certain wrestlers, especially the ones like Drew Gulaks and Ricochets and other guys who don't really have a direction nowadays that they have all the talent in the world, but they just if they give one ounce of effort, it could be great. And to kind of piggyback off of that, have more synergy between Raw and SmackDown and the other shows, meaning if you're doing something on NXT with a guy or a girl and then they go to the main roster, have them be that thing. You don't need to change Karrion Cross. You don't need to strip away everything that made Karrion Cross great just because he happens to be on Raw and SmackDown. No, it worked on NXT. How about you just do that? Or Keith Lee, same thing. He's this 
amazing superstar in NXT, then you bring him up to the main roster and you throw a skirt on him, you throw generic rock music as his entrance music, and then you just change his whole style and presentation. Bearcat. We don't need to do that. More synergy between the main roster and the other shows. More long-form documentaries. Do you remember when the pandemic first started and NXT had that episode where it was like an hour-long thing telling the story of the rivalry between Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. It was like an hour thing where you just had each guy was interviewed in a separate location. You had, you know, where they started, how they started tag team. They had, you know, the footage of them teaming. They had the footage of the Cruiserweight Classic and then the breakup and then all the matches they had. Stuff like that that you can utilize Peacock for. You don't need to throw it on your normal TV shows, but utilize Peacock to have more long-form documentaries to illustrate not only rivalries between separate entities, but to just have a backstory for people that allows people to attach a personality and a motivation to these characters so that when they see them on the TV shows, they care about them. Make the mid-card titles mean something. Differentiate them from the world titles, because as of right now, they're just literally just stepping stones to the world titles. Make them mean something. Make them maybe get defended on TV more often. I mean, you could even do stupid shit like, you know, oh, if you're the US champion, you can decide uh, the stipulation of the match that you defend your title. Like little things like that to differentiate the US from the Intercontinental, but also to differentiate these two mid-card titles from the world titles, because as of right now, they're just props. Kill the 24-7 title. We're, we're done. We're, it was fun for a second, but we're, we're good. No more. Create real tag teams. I'm talking teams with names, several of them. And create a real division while you're at it. I know you released all your talented tag teams. You got rid of the three Zongos and the, the Lucha House Party. You brought you breaking up every team that seems to have any momentum like heavy machinery. But hey, we're back here. Let's create some new tag teams. Create a real tag team division that'll add a different element to each show. So it doesn't feel like one string of singles matches. Consolidate the tag team titles. They're just... If you're not going to have a proper division on either show, just combine them. Combine the Raw and SmackDown tag team titles. Combine the NXT women's tag team titles with the WWE women's tag team titles. Because the WWE women's tag team titles, they were first implemented... And the whole story behind it was like, oh, we can go to each brand. So have it spend a few months in NXT, then bring it to Raw for a little bit, then bring it to SmackDown. You don't need a separate set of women's tag team titles in NXT because to be honest, it just there aren't enough women's tag teams to warrant two sets of tag team titles. You could say the same thing for the men, too. And I think that fluidity across each brand, again, would add a different element to the tag team division. It would make it more interesting, more focus on the women. Seemingly, it's only title matches that get airtime. Allow tag team titles and any non-world title to main event shows, to main event Raw, to main event SmackDown, to main event pay-per-views. Have an intercontinental title match, main events, money in the bank or whatever, you know, just to make those titles mean something. It's a cool little thing sometimes. Or even tag team titles. When was the last time a tag team title match? main evented a Raw or a SmackDown. It's probably happened. I'd probably just forget. But again, if I forgot, that just speaks to how forgettable and how they don't really treat these titles with much honor anyways. So trios titles. I think trios titles 
could be a great there's a, a bunch of different ways you could see it you could see it implemented in nxt maybe again this could be another set of titles that goes from brand to brand whatever the case may be it could be something very interesting i always thought it'd be cool to have 205 live have those titles but when they had a pretty robust roster but again if they build that show up and if they build a cruiserweight division that could be a feasible thing but whatever the case may be i think a trio's title somewhere under the WWE umbrella would be uh, some good shit, pal. Stop modernizing all of these structures. Talking about the Hell in a Cell, the Elimination Chamber, Steel Cage. When you modernize these stuff to make them look very sanitized and the LED lights and they painted the cell red, like it looks bad. It gets progressively worse each year. Just revert. The older version of the Hell in a Cell felt like a cage. It felt like you were your kid. It was kind of rickety and rusty. It felt like caged animals in there. Now it just feels like this big building that just happens to have people wrestling in it. It's no longer suffocating. And it's just a prop. Same thing for the elimination chamber. Make cage matches mean something again. And step one in doing that, what's it be getting rid of that escape the door stipulation? Are you kidding me? You can just point to the door and be like, hey, buddy, why don't you pop that door open and let me scoot on out of here? How has that existed so long? How has nobody seen the lack of logic? You could hit one move and just sprint to the door and, and win. Every cage match should be five seconds long with that rule in place. And now this is the part where we get to some gimmick pay-per-view stuff. Get rid of TLC. Get rid of Elimination Chamber. Get rid of Hell in a Cell. Get rid of extreme rules. And while we're talking about extreme rules, just less gimmick matches in general. When you see a last man standing match once a month, it begins to dilute it a little bit. Move money in the bank back to WrestleMania. You have two nights now with WrestleMania, so you could have one men's ladder match on night one and the women's on night two. And then you can use this to replace the the goofy battle royals, the, the mindless, emotionless, stakeless battle royals that they have and replace that with money in the bank. It's where you can throw your guys and gals that you don't have anything else for, put them in the money in the bank ladder match and it'll create a fun match within each show. It'll give people a purpose. And honestly, the moment is just way cooler when it's at WrestleMania. Bring back the old Survivor Series. No more of this, the one night a year where brands go head to head, is it? because it seems to happen at least once a quarter. Bring back the, uh, what, you know, team names, the, the, the million dollar team or uh, guts and glory, you know, cool, maybe a little bit corny, but fun team names, or at least teams facing each other that actually have animosity towards each other that can further storylines or can be culminations of storylines instead of just this mindless, who gives a fuck brand versus brand competition which at the end of the day doesn't really matter because they don't really differentiate the brands from each other anyways bring back evolution even at, at, at the very least as a peacock special or something evolution the first one was a success i think it'd be definitely worth to have another one because everyone seemed to like it and it would give your robust women's roster lots of opportunities to get involved in certain storylines and to get a spotlight to benefit your division going forward and while we're at it Let's rebrand the women's titles. Do we really just need to have raw women's title, SmackDown women's title, red, blue, same design, but red, same design, but blue. Can we give them some unique names? 
You know how the men used to have the world heavyweight title and the WWE title? Something along those lines. Give them different designs, different names, so that when you have this draft nonsense, you don't have to do the fucking switch switcheroo bullshit. Let's have one ounce of creativity. Huh? Saturday pay-per-views. They've already done this a bit, but I think it should be the standard to have pay-per-views on Saturdays. It just makes sense. Especially for people not in America who maybe don't want to stay up till 4 a.m. watching WWE. And speaking of pay-per-views, have less pay-per-views and more special events that are on Peacock. Now, I know at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because you're paying the same amount. But like brand against brand stuff can be bragging rights. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a pay-per-view that you build towards. It can just be its own separate thing that happens. Same thing with the King of the Ring, the Queen's Crown, Worlds Collide. You know, you could have, I don't know, a cruiserweight pay-per-view. You can have a tag team tournament of some sort. There's so many different things that they can do utilizing Peacock. And doing that would shake up this formulaic year structure of, okay, a pay-per-view just ended. All right, we start our feud here, then, you know, okay, then they have this match here, okay, then they have this gimmick match at this pay-per-view, and it's like having less pay-per-views and more of these kind of ancillary events happening throughout the year would shake things up in a good way, I think. And bring bring back Worlds Collide. I know I kind of just glazed over that, but that, that should be one in itself. That was cool as hell. NXT versus NXT UK. And again, if you rebrand these shows like 205 Live, you could factor them in there or you can even have this big group face the main roster. There's so many things you could do. But um, I don't know. I guess they just hate cool stuff. And while we're on the topic of pay-per-views, special events, whatever you want to call them, make sure each one has a theme. Like you got Royal Rumble. Good. Yeah, the Royal Rumble match. You know, Money in the Bank. I know I said bring that to WrestleMania, but as it stands right now, Money in the Bank is centered around the ladder matches, which is good. Survivor Series, I don't like it, but it at least has a theme to it. Have more things like that. Have more tournament-based pay-per-views. Have, uh, oh, here's another one. Brand-specific pay-per-views. This just goes into making each brand feel like its own thing. When you have a whole pay-per-view dedicated to that brand, that way you can have the lower tier people getting built up, people getting heated up to eventually one day be in the main events by having them in a meaningful pay-per-view match. And then you can have all throughout the show, just this is what SmackDown is. And then the next month is like, this is what Raw is. And then four times a year, you have Raw and SmackDown on the same show. And then all of a sudden it means something. And have a different set for each pay-per-view. Is that so much to ask? To me, it seems like a worthwhile investment. Like the early 2000s, every set felt different and we still can associate what those shows looked like. Like I still know what Backlash 2001 looked like with the hooks. I still know what Armageddon looked like with the crazy cages on the set. Like stuff like that. It doesn't need to be crazy, but make each set look different. Make it look different than just a Raw or a SmackDown because if you turn on a pay-per-view and it's just the same exact set as SmackDown that you just watched a few days ago, it's like, oh, I feel like I'm just watching a normal TV show. Stuff like that matters. And Battle Royals, no more of this, we forgot about this person. You know, when you get to the end and then some guy eliminates another guy and they think they won, but... Oh no, person C was under the was under the ring the whole time and they swoop in from behind and win the whole thing. How many times do we have to see that shit? Get rid of three person commentary teams. That just leads to everybody trying to get their shit in and nobody's 
acting organically to what's happening in the ring. They're all just trying to figure out when to talk because it's three of them. Less predetermined sound bites from commentary. For the love of mankind! As he's reading his script. Inorganic overuse of catchphrases on commentary. Everyone's trying to be JR or be Bobby Heenan or whatever it is. Showtime! Unbelievable! Oh my! Like, just, just be a person. Talk like a person speaks. Less produced commentary would also be a benefit. AKA Pat McAfee, who I'm not gonna say isn't produced, but you can tell that that's his real personality out there and people love it. And he also does a good job at putting people over. So it's like, why is that not more of a common practice to just let people on commentary be themselves? So you're selling too much. There's too many ads, too much promoting what's going to happen later in the show, what happened earlier in the show. You have commercials and graphics and stuff that can accomplish this kind of stuff. And let's spend less time doing that and more time utilizing it as a passive background reminder for the viewer. And while we're still talking about commentary, well, we talked about guest commentary spots earlier. Here's another thing. Stop asking the champion who they would rather face. So if you're a scenario where in the ring, it's a one-on-one -on -one match and it's a number one contenders match for a title. And then you have the champion sitting ringside on commentary. Commentary asks, hey champ, who would you rather face for the title at so-and-so pay-per-view? Person A or person B? What does the champion always say? Well, that doesn't matter because I'll beat them both. Why do we have to do this every time? Stop having commentators and announcers build matches as the best ever before they even happen. Randy Orton versus Edge. They built up John Cena and Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar. This match may be the best match of all time. Based on what? How about you just let it happen and let the fans decide? Because even if it now you're in a situation where even if it is the best match ever, fans aren't going to want to think it is because you told us that. Commentators saying, that's got to be it. What do you think happens when a commentator says, that's got to be it? Is it ever it? No, it's always a two count. It's never it. Again, it's these formulaic tropes that it's bizarre that they don't think that viewers catch on it, it can ruin a false finish you know somebody's like oh that's it's over it's over and i'm sitting there like oh i guess i guess they're kicking out i, I thought it might be over but now i heard the commentator say it so now i know it's not over long-term storytelling this kind of supports a lot of other smaller points i've made throughout this but have a plan have a plan whether it's with one character you're building up whether it's a feud between two or more people have a beginning plan and an end plan and not just that but have a plan for after that have everything matter and have everything build towards something and not just have these stop and go matches stop and go feuds stop and go builds think more long term less of this oh we just gotta get through the show kind of shows that's what a lot of Rawls and Smackdowns feel like off season give everybody in off season. Again, I understand this probably will never happen. And I understand that there are financial consequences because that's all that matters, right? But I think it's pretty obvious the benefits that it would have. It would allow people to heal physically, mentally heal, give people a break 
from traveling. So not only can they heal their wounds, not only can they rest up, but when they come back, they come back stronger than ever and more motivated. Not only the wrestlers, but the people backstage, the commentators, everybody working within that system gets a break, allows kind of a reset period as well. That way you can properly plan for whatever happens after this off season. Not only that, not only do the wrestlers themselves get a break, but so do the fans. Think of how excited people get when football comes back. People lose their minds on week one of the NFL. Imagine that for WWE. And again, I know it will never happen, and I understand why it will never happen. But it's just a thing that could benefit everybody involved. Doing it in December. Nothing of note ever happens in December anyways. Allow people to be with their families during the holidays. It can only improve morale, and it can only improve everything that those people do going forward on screen. And the last one I will say is to be open to working with other companies. Now, I'm not saying you need to have Roman Reigns invade AEW Dynamite and take out Kenny Omega and then have this whole feud thing going. No, just, hey, you know what? We're not doing anything with Drew Gulak. Let's send him over to New Japan. Have him, have him compete in the Battle of the Super Juniors or whatever. Oh, hey, Viking Raiders, you're not really doing anything right now. Hey, let's send you over to... Uh, to MLW. Let's build you up. Let's build your stock up so eventually maybe we can use you. That's what they did back in the day with Rob Van Dam. You know, WWF kind of wanted Rob Van Dam in the mid-90s, but at the time, Rob Van Dam was a no-name. So what did he do? He went to ECW, became a huge star there, a cult favorite in Philly and whoever was watching ECW. That by the time Rob Van Dam debuted in WWF in 2001, he was an automatic star. He debuted, and a few months later, he's main eventing a pay-per-view against Stone Cold Steve Austin for the world title just because his stock was able to rise in ECW. So utilize that theory going forward, especially with the wrestlers you aren't utilizing on your shows. This can also create endless possibilities for storylines, and it will keep the fans on their toes, not knowing what's going to happen next. And at the end of the day, that's what creates intrigue, and that's what creates a motivation to turn on the TV and watch the show when you don't know what's going to happen. That's what AEW does pretty well at the moment, and that I don't see happening very well with Raw and SmackDown. But man, that was a, uh, was a little bit more long-winded <laughs> than I had planned on it being. But uh, that is it. That is 100 things that WWE could immediately do. Like, next week they could start doing these things. Imagine, imagine if they just did, I don't know, five of these things. Imagine if they did 10 or 20. Imagine if they did all 100 and just we had this whole wrestling utopia. Imagine that. Imagine if they at least tried a few of these things. Is there any that I missed? Is there any that you disagree with? Is there, is, should there, is there another 100 things that they could do that I missed? Let me know in the comments on additional things that WWE could do to improve or things that maybe that I mentioned that you disagree with. And once again, if you enjoy this kind of content, you should check out my podcast, The Apron Bump Podcast. I do mainly retro reviews but I also do kind of evergreen topics like this. Um, you can go to apronbump.com, hit the episodes tab, and you can select whatever you want to listen to. I have new episodes every Wednesday going across several different timelines of various different companies across four decades, uh, mainstream, independent, modern, retro, all of it. It is a buffet 
at The Apron Bump. So go check it out at apronbump.com, wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube as well. And that's all Daddy has for you today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure to follow me on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all that shiz. And yeah. I'm hard.